Hey everybody, welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And away we go here. As I said, it is Tuesday. We are in Berea. We're back at our familiar picnic table next to the facility, so hopefully not too much road noise here in this one. Uh, thanks for bearing with us here all camp long as we tried to find spots to record this. Let's do this. Six topics. We haven't discussed them, but Mary Kay, I have a pretty good idea where we're going to go with topic number one. Yeah. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield's comments in GQ. Uh, the cover story came out today, and uh, in there, the most compelling thing, the thing that stood out to everyone, was the fact that he said, it blows my mind that the Giants drafted Daniel Jones. He was talking about, you know, at number six overall. And the gist was, you know, based on the fact that he really didn't win much at Duke, went 17 and 19. And I think he was talking about it in the context of, you know, of himself and some other players who have uh, brought a lot of winning to the table. Uh, These comments really, really just took off, went viral, ruffled the feathers of everyone in New York. Uh, He is all over the road today, all over the the headlines in the New York Post, everywhere uh, in New York today for these comments. Freddie Kitchens addressed them. We don't have Baker until tomorrow, so he hasn't addressed them yet directly to us, but he did go on Instagram, and he said, kind of walked it back a little bit and said that, you know, this is not what I said. I think more so than this is not what I said, I think he meant this is not what I meant. Hmm. I didn't mean to bash Daniel Jones. Now, I think that he sort of made these off-the-cuff comments when he was when Daniel Jones popped up on SportsCenter in the middle of this interview, uh, there were two interviews that took place with the writer in the, at the end of May, about a month after the draft. And while they were, during, during one of them, the Daniel Jones popped up on SportsCenter, and I think he made sort of an off-the-cuff remark. I don't think he thought it was on the record. But, of course, everything that you say in a, yes. a colorful magazine piece is on the record. So I think that's kind of how it went down. But... Uh, you know, so Baker's going to have to be careful about the things that he says. Um, and, you know, obviously I think he meant what he said. And I think going forward he's going to just have to make sure that, that he understands the situation. I, I think the nature of these types of interviews, and again, you know, I wasn't there, but just having read a bunch of them and, you know, a lot of these pieces that get done for these magazines are... You know, you go out to breakfast with a guy, and then you're driving around with a guy, and you go, like, you know, bowling or whatever. You, like, hang out with the player all day long. And it's a kind of... It's easy for a player to kind of lose sight of the fact that he's with a reporter. It's for a story. You know, when we're standing in front of Baker Mayfield tomorrow, we're all going to be standing there with recorders. There's going to be cameras. Um, you know, when we stand with guys in the field house and talk to them, we got our recorders and stuff. It's a different setting, I think, as you go through some of these interviews where these reporters are literally embedded with you, you kind of forget about it. And these guys are good at their jobs. That's what they want. They want you to kind of forget that, that this is an interview for a story. They want it to be real and come off as real. And uh, maybe that's what Baker got caught with here uh, on this. But, um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's not a great look to, to, to go after another quarterback like that. Um, and, and, unfortunately, for Baker, <laughs> ended up going in the story. Yeah, I have no problem with what he said because – almost every NFL fan thought when they drafted Daniel Jones. It's like, what are they doing? So, you know, he was being honest, and we've been told time and again that that's Baker Mayfield. He's honest. Um, my problem was uh, his, his response to after it came out and him saying, this is not what I said. 
there's audio of this. There has to be audio of this. You don't do a magazine piece on somebody just taking notes in a notebook. So I'm pretty confident that there's audio. It's whether or not GQ and the reporter want to keep this going and kind of clap back at it and say, well, no, this is actually what you said, and this is when you said it and how you said it, and um, maybe we'll hear that, you know? But I, I, I don't... I'm not going to make any excuses for, 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 for Baker Mayfield on this. It, it's, I think at this point in his life he's done enough interviews to know how things work. A lot of times in magazine pieces, the whole interview takes place at the photo shoot. That's, like, that's your availability with the person you're, you're talking to is when they're there for a photo shoot. And that, everything is part of the interview. You know, Baker Mayfield has people in his life who can explain that to him. There are people here in Berea who can explain that to him if he did not know. So I'm, I don't know, I, to me it's, it's his, his response and trying to kind of pin this on media um, clickbait uh, was, I, I don't know if that was the right tone to, to strike, but everything else, I was fine with what he said. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't think that you can really, if, you, if, if those words came out of your mouth, you, you have to own it. You, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to own it. And if I were advising Baker Mayfield, uh, I would ask him, to be careful what he says and to tone things down a little bit because they are on a mission this year to win big and you don't want distractions like this you don't need this i mean i just posted a story from our our sister uh from our sister's site nj.com from matt lombardo with uh tight end elvin ingram saying you know this was a cry for attention and some people need to run their mouths you know you just don't want that to get around the league where people are uh, trying to go a little little extra hard at you when they're playing against you you know that's what we mean by when we asked Freddie about the you know the bullseye and the target on their back I mean you do put a target on your back when when you talk first so I would advise I would advise Baker to tone it down a little bit all right topic number two this one has kind of flown under the radar because of Baker Mayfield and it's not very often that Odell Beckham flies under the radar but there was a quote from him in Sports Illustrated I'm looking at it right here uh, about the Giants, them trading him to the Browns. Uh, he says, quote, This wasn't no business move. This was personal. They thought they'd send me here to die. Now that, again, has sort of flown under the radar, uh, but Odell Beckham basically believing that the Giants didn't take the best offer. There were better offers out there. They, they were hoping that he would come here and sort of no longer be Odell, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's a weird sort of theory. But... Um, you know, we've talked about this before, Odell kind of dealing with this trade. I, I think there was some real, I think there was probably some real emotion involved. I think it was probably hard for him to process initially because he'd come up in New York. And quite frankly, if you're a superstar athlete, you really want to leave New York? Of course you don't. Um, it, it seems like what we've heard since, he's come to terms with it. He seems to be fully in here. But uh, we kind of have some of his thoughts now as, as what he felt the Giants were thinking. Yeah, that those were uh, some... It put a new twist on this whole thing. We, we knew that Odell was upset at the Giants. We know that he's upset at Dave Gettleman for making this trade. Uh, but to say that they actually turned down better offers or had better offers and that they did this kind of to spite him, that takes it to a whole new yeah. level. It really does. And it also, I think, informs you know, why he had so much bitterness and why it took him so long to wrap his brain around this. And it's also sort of somewhat reminiscent of what happened when Jarvis was traded here, uh, he said that he felt that Adam Gay sent him here to die. So those guys have that in common. Um, 
And, you know, but the, the interesting thing about it now is this isn't the place that you go to die anymore. You know, this is the place that you go to maybe win a Super Bowl sometime over the next couple of years. Yeah, what Odell said made no sense at all. It made sense when, when Jarvis said it because he was coming to a team that had gone 0-16. By the time that trade uh, broke, the Browns were, were the exciting young team to end last season. They had added Kareem Hunt. They had added Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. So to, to claim that the Giants traded you here because it's some sort of wasteland and your career was just going to go in the tank. Um, I, I don't know. I, that, it just made no sense. I don't know. Maybe he was just thinking of Jarvis for a minute and thought he'd just steal that line, but that, it made completely no sense. I think uh, one, if that's really the case, Dave Gettleman really does probably need to be out of a job very soon because uh, yeah. you don't trade a guy to a team with a young quarterback who's been pretty good. Uh, it was it was really good last year. It has a chance to be great uh, if his career trajectory continues. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was exactly what Dave Kettleman was thinking when he made that deal. I'm sure he could have gotten better than what he got from the Browns. I don't know why he chose the Browns' offer. I don't think any of us ever will. But um, it, it seems like a weird, kind of a strange thing to say. But you know, this is where we're at with this team right now. These guys are, are young. Um, they're all kind of in the same age range right now. They kind of live on social media. Their their psychology is a little different than maybe than maybe us. And uh, you know, Odell got in his feelings a little bit on this one. All right, let's move on to topic number three, Scott. I want to talk about something a little more lighthearted than what we've been talking about. Let's talk about the Scottish Hammer kicking field goals today, uh, off on a practice field by himself, which is where the specialists usually are. Um, we didn't see any any field goals during uh, team periods, so they kind of had Greg Joseph and Austin Cyber had the day off, which you know they maybe needed a day mm-hmm. to reflect on how things went on Monday. But anyways, uh, Jamie Gillen was over there hitting field goals, and he was kicking off not a, not a tee, but the uh, little stick mm-hmm. thing they used to, to hold up the ball. And um, one video, uh, one that, that we saw, claimed it was a 60-yarder. So Freddie was asked about that after the fact, and he didn't know anything about it and didn't know why he would be kicking field goals. Didn't even seem to understand that uh, Jamie Gillen had kicked field goals in college, although he only hit 60% of them in college. He did kick them. Um, So that kind of became a thing today, and I don't think we can expect to see him kicking field goals for the Browns anytime soon, but um, I don't know. It was... We have people on on Twitter now calling for for him to get to get a shot against uh, you know against the the Lions and the Bucks. Yeah, did did uh, Freddie really not know that? <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that. That's weird. That he was doing that today. I, I don't believe that he didn't know that he kicked field goals in college. Yeah. I, you know, I think that was just Freddie being Freddie, honestly. Yeah. But um, he laughed know, his way through most of that. Yeah, interview. a part of me is kind of like, why not? You know, let's line him up and see what happens if you put a line in front of him and have him kick out of a real hold. I wouldn't have very high expectations for it, but it just sort of speaks to where this kicking battle is at right now that uh, fans are clamoring to see the Scottish Hammer uh, try to put some through the yellow poles, as Freddie likes to say. Well, what I was thinking is, uh, you know, maybe they were looking at it in terms of, you know, if he did make the team, what if in the event they ever had a really, really long field goal that they wanted to attempt... Maybe they trot him out there instead of Greg Joseph, who has been missing the longer kicks. So 
you know, maybe they're just throwing it all into the hopper and evaluating the whole thing. Yeah, or if they were backed up due to penalties on a kickoff and yeah. they're kicking from their, like, 10. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know you can get it down the field. Right. Yeah, and look, these specialists have some time to kill during practice, as yeah. we've seen. Sometimes they wander off and work on the skinny goalposts. Sometimes they're punting or kicking on the side. They're usually off to the side doing something, and today maybe the hammer decided, you know what, guys, I want to try kicking some field goals. Who knows? All right, Mary Kay, topic four. Uh, topic four is we got an opportunity to catch up with Denzel Ward today. So Denzel's back on the field, and Terrence Mitchell is the other cornerback. So that sort of leaves Greedy Williams as, you know, kind of the odd man out heading into the third preseason game, which traditionally has been the dress rehearsal game. So it begs the question, is Greedy not going to be in the starting lineup on opening day? And if not, what does that mean? I don't think he will be. I think it probably will be Terrence Mitchell. And I th- I don't think it's any reason to panic necessarily. Um, I think it's, you know, we all look at Grady as the first pick for the Browns. But he was also the number 46 overall pick. So maybe it's going to take a little time to get him on the field. It's a disappointment if the number 46 overall pick isn't starting or isn't playing. Um, but I, I think it's okay to be a little patient with Greedy as well, especially if you have a guy like Terrence Mitchell who has started uh, and, and can play for you. So if Greedy Williams doesn't start... Is he a bust? You know, we, we labeled Austin Corbett a bust. Well, not we, but people have who we uh, work with. Um, you know, he was 33rd overall pick and, and, and didn't start as a rookie, didn't really get on the field much at all. How, what, what, what do we have to see from Grady Williams to avoid the bust label? And is that only for first and second round picks? Well, you know, Joe Hayden didn't start right away. Yeah. Joe Hayden started, I can't remember the exact game of the year that it was as a rookie, but I think it was like game six or something like that, that he started getting into the starting lineup. So I certainly don't think it means that Greedy is a bust. If they don't start him right away, look, they're looking out there and they're they're going to start the best players. And Terrence Mitchell is a really good cornerback. He can stop the run. He's aggressive. He can get his hands on the ball. Uh, he plays Freddie Mitchell, Freddie Kitchens type of football. And he's just a Freddy kind of guy, and he's worked his ass off. So I don't think it means that, you know, that Greedy isn't going to start this season. I just think that, you know, if that's the case, he needs more time. I do, you know, I don't think we can use the word bust on August 20th for a guy that was drafted four months ago. I mean, not even four months ago, really, at, at this point. So, um, you know, I just think it's, it's one of those situations where you've got to remember this guy wasn't – Denzel Ward was the number four overall pick. Um that's different than the number 46 overall pick. Greedy wasn't even the first cornerback taken. He wasn't considered the best cornerback in the draft. I think we can be patient with Greedy. Like you said, Mary Kay took Joe Hayden six games. Mm-hmm. Um, it might take Greedy half a season. I don't know. It might take an injury. It might take something like that. Um, you know, I, I, I try to be really careful with the bus label. I, I think you can start to use it a little bit if we're going to talk about Austin Corbett, but I think we're, we're way, way, way too ahead of ourselves. Uh, if if Somebody wants to say that about Greedy Williams. Uh, Topic five, I want to go back to this talking stuff Mm -hmm. and and kind of the swagger and all of that. And I'm just curious, do you guys have a problem with it right now? Do you guys hear it and think, gosh, I I wish they wouldn't do this? Or are you okay with it? I'm old school, okay? (laughs) And I would prefer, uh, you know, that you 
act like you've been there before. You go out and win. You act cool about it. You, you know, I think you can still light up the city. I think you can still get attention. I think you can still grab headlines. I think you can still win over this whole town. Uh, I think you can still have swagger and attitude and all those things with just a little bit less talking. But, you know, like I said, I'm kind of old school. And it's not like I'm get off, get off my lawn. <laughs> because, I, you know, I have kids these kids' age, you know. I've got a, a son that's about to turn 23. So I understand this mindset of, of this generation. So it's, it's really not that. I, I just think that being cool about what you're doing will stand the test of time. I don't think, you know, I don't, like, Drew Brees doesn't have to ever talk that much. Tom Brady doesn't really talk that much. Uh, I, I prefer a little bit more action and a little bit less jaws flapping. The talking, I have no problem with, with that. I mean, they're they're an exciting young new team. Everybody wants to talk to them. Everybody wants to interview them. But there are ways to do interviews without saying something controversial, or to say without saying something that is going to make headlines. That you can do that. You just have to uh, be really aware of what you're saying and, and what what it could mean. So, you know, I, it's going This team is going to be all over. Everywhere, mm-hmm. all over every website, all over Sports Center, all over yep. newspapers. It's, you know, and, and it's not just going to be us locally. It's going to be either national people coming in to uh, to get a piece of it. So this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about something that Baker Mayfield said this year or mm-hmm. yep. something Odell said. It's not going to be the last time we talk about Odell talking about the Giants. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to happen, and I think maybe they have to go through that to, to maybe realize that there's a better way to, to go about it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I kind of weirdly I can see both sides. I feel like the NBA has sort of owned this space for a long time, and now we're seeing the NFL NFL players sort of start to to take over a little bit, and you know they want to have their voices heard and kind of control their message a little bit. It is just football, so you know what's wrong with a little trash talk. But at the same time, you haven't done anything. You haven't won any games. None of these guys have won together. And I guess that's a great part of this. They're either going to go out there this year and they're going to win a bunch of games and get to have this much swagger and say, see, we told you, or they're going to go 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight and they're going to hear about it all off season, and we're going to maybe hear a very different tone next year. I guess, you know, it's not. I don't love it necessarily. I don't hate it. But the great thing about football and sports is we're going to get an answer to all of this. And if they need to get put in their place, they will. And if they need, if it just helps them win football games and their swagger just grows from there, that's what happens. And having said all of that, of course it's great for us. Oh yeah, it's because, awesome. For I us. mean, it's great for us. I, I haven't. My fingers haven't stopped moving today. <laughs> it's one headline after another. So it's really great for us from that standpoint. One thing I don't love that I, I really don't love is, you know, the media, you know, this whole notion of clickbait and, you know, us creating the noise. Like, yeah. we don't, we're not creating the noise when those guys say things like that, that we have no choice but to write. So, they, I think if you're going to say it, own it. And just say, hey, this is part of our brand. This is part of our swagger. This is how we roll. Mm-hmm. Let's not do the whole, like, clickbait, you guys are creating controversy thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and just to be clear, clickbait has become, like, 
has become fake news, and that is very misunderstood. Right. Clickbait is that headline at the bottom of a website that says, you'll never believe what this child star looks like today. <laughs> right. And then you click on it, and the person just looks like somebody who's 40 years older. Right. That's clickbait. That's a misleading headline. Yes. Click, what, what, if you read something and you click on it because, man, I really want to read this story, yeah. that's, a, that's a good headline. Right. That's a good story. Right. Because you wanted to read it. <laughs> right. You know, anyways, yeah. Yep. People need to know, man. And the bottom line is, like, you know, it's not politics. Nobody's no. starting a war over this stuff. It is just football. So, you know, on, on that hand, it, it's fun, and it, I guess it gives us all something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, topic six, Scott. All right. Uh, let's end this with, uh, with with right guard, because we heard from uh, offensive line coach slash associate head coach James Campen today, and he said he's hopeful that we will have a clear answer about who the right guard is mm-hmm. after uh Friday? Yeah, they play mm-hmm. Friday. After Friday's game. Yep. Um, I don't know. Are we are we as as confident or hopeful <laughs> of that happening? Uh, it seems to be Eric Cush is the guy who has the job at this moment, and it's his job to lose, it would seem, although Campen wouldn't commit to that just like Freddie wouldn't commit to it. Um, but, yeah, I think if, if, if he goes into that game and, and gets – if they play the starters for the first half and he gets 80, 85% of the snaps to right guard – we come out of that saying, all right, Kush is the right guard. I, I had a, a friend once who, and I don't know if this was his line or not, but he used it. He ran this race, and he won his age group, and there were like two people in the age group. <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess winning by default is still winning. And that's kind of where Eric Kush is at right now. He might just end up winning this job by default because he's been the guy in that position. And you don't want to go into the fourth preseason game still trying to figure this thing out. I, I think that's kind of why James Campen was saying that. In the fourth preseason game, you want two things to happen. All your starters to rest and maybe have somebody call plays that's going to become a head coach in a few months, mm-hmm. like we saw with Freddie Kitchens. That's what you want in the fourth preseason game. You don't want to be trying to figure out your right guard. Well, you just completely 100% broke my spirit, Dan, because I once came in third in my age group in a 5K, and now I realize that there were probably only three of us in my age group. So up until now, I was feeling... But finishing third by default is... <laughs> bronze by default is still bronze. I was feeling pretty good about that up until today. Um, but when was it, Dan, that you talked to Joel Batonio last year, and he had no idea oh if he was starting at left guard it in was, the opener? It was the fr- Thursday or Friday... It might... I don't. It might have been Labor Day. Yeah. It was. It was very late. It was after the fourth preseason game, I think. Yeah. Or right before. It was right around that last right. week of camp, or maybe right into that first week of the season. Yeah. They did not know who their starting left tackle was going to be until it came right down to the wire, and then lo and behold, all of a sudden, Desmond Harrison <laughs> was their starting left tackle, and that's why. You know, strap in because we could be going for a ride still here at right guard. <laughs> it could be Eric Cush, but there's still little rumblings about Drew Forbes maybe making a late run at this job. I don't know. Is it too late for him to do that? Do you just go ahead and do you start Eric Cush? I don't know. What do you think? Drew Forbes was uh, taking snaps at left guard on the scout team today, and he had a false start and had to run a lap. Oh, Although right. I heard that it wasn't his fault afterwards, and that's why the linemen were doing push-ups, because the center squeezed the ball. Okay. So maybe he's off the hook for that. But he was on the scout team. One thing Camba did say, he's 100% certain that their right guard is on the roster. 
which it would be pretty awful if it wasn't because, I mean, this isn't like kicker where you can bring in somebody that last yeah. week, you know, two days before the game and right. have them go out there. It's your you're right guard. You want that person here. Yep. Yeah, and I, I believe him, but if the right person gets cut on that Saturday yeah. and you got a chance to get him on Sunday, they might take they might just take that chance. And maybe you still go there at Cush for a week or two and work that, that new guy in, but... Um, yeah, not a lot of clarity in that position for sure. And that battle to me has been the opposite of the bottom of the wide receiver battle. Um, we've talked about that one a bunch. And that's just a bunch of guys making plays. And that one's been fun to watch, this right guard thing. Maybe it's because it's the offensive line too. Uh, but this right guard thing has been pretty painful because no one has, has been able to really seize control of it. I wonder what Kevin Zeitler thinks about all this. Oh, my goodness. I wonder what he thinks about Daniel Jones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Odell and Baker. <laughs> all right. Well, that will do it for this Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, For Scott and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.